Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Audacity Project. You're listening to part two of the three-part conversation with Shivangi Prasad, who is the founder and partner of this organization called Posh at Work, that stands for Prevention of Sexual Harassment at Work. And this is a legal and psychological firm that assists corporations in complying with laws against sexual harassment at workplace. So if this is the first time you're listening to the Audacity Project, we'd request that you stop right here, check out the previous episode before continuing to listen to the other episodes. If you've already listened to part one of this conversation, then to quickly recap a few things that we discussed in the earlier conversation. Um, we spoke about some challenges that firms go through while crafting anti-sexual harassment policies, and that was the whole theme of the conversation. So we started with how to address complaints and how not to make problematic assumptions about the veracity of the complaints without investigating them adequately. We then spoke about the effect of Me Too movement on internal climate at corporations and how they've helped stakeholders come to terms with the magnitude of this problem, if nothing more. Um, we then spoke about the importance of privacy and what firms can do to prevent issues like micro-gossip, discouraging someone from seeking help, and then going on to endorse the culture of silence in the long run, right? We concluded this episode with a very, very small discussion on the thin line separating sexual harassment and harassment that occurs on account of one's gender. Now, this is particularly of importance given the UK Employment Tribunal's recent holding on how calling someone bald constitutes sexual harassment. To, to give you the complete facts of the case, um, an employee was called a bald cunt by another during an argument that escalated in the middle of the work, but the issue really at focus was the usage of the term bald. Um, and it was unanimously felt by the members of the tribunal that baldness is, the, is a characteristic that is mostly associated with men um, and held this to be harassment related to sex. What's more interesting is that the tribunal referred to a precedent from 1995 where a man was held guilty of sexual harassment for having commented on the size of his co-workers' breasts. We're not sure if these are comparable things though. So a few problem that arises from this holding is that first, seriously misconstruing the line between sexual harassment and harassment that occurs on account of one's gender, right? Second, while baldness might actually be more prevalent in men, is it okay to gender it, box it into a binary and stretch it to the point of absurdity and call it sexual harassment and equate it to commenting on the size of a woman's breasts? Um, while we at the Audacity Project unanimously believe that it's not okay to gender it, I'll leave the issue of comparison for you to ponder over. But please don't uh, get this wrong. We really welcome this judgment to a certain extent. We, we don't think harassment of any extent should be tolerated at workplace at all. But we still believe that characterizing crimes and characterizing misconduct will have to be done very carefully and there mustn't be any double standards in holding what what is and isn't appropriate conduct at the workplace. On that note, let's dive right into today's episode and discuss harassment against men, transgender persons and what the Indian Act has to say about this. You're listening to episode 5 of season 2 of the Audacity Project and this is your Hoshweta Meenal. Let's dive right in. So we're in the middle of a heated discussion on prevention of sexual harassment at workplace. And I'm going to cut straight to the chase and ask you, Shivangi, what do you think are specific challenges um, surrounding protection of men and transgender persons from harassment or discriminatory conduct at workplace? Um, why don't we start with men? Because I understand that these two are very different and very challenging issues in themselves. Uh, so I think as I was mentioning earlier, I think every human being could uh, 
be in such a position where they may have faced an instance like that because uh, sexual harassment is about the impact and if somebody says something to a person and it has impacted them in a sexual manner then naturally they i mean they could be uh, survivors of that uh as far as the laws go they are not for uh, men or other genders right now which brings in this whole debate of what is it that people should be doing and are uh, don't men don't get harassed at all or what i wouldn't you make the law for everyone so um so you know so i think um uh i think uh, majorly if we look at it uh, across the globe as well and especially in india in our in our own cultural context as well uh, we have seen uh so many horrendous incidents about women against women um and i mean even if you look at the vishaka guidelines they came out after a brutal gang rape of a human being who happened to be a woman and and there happened to be a justice sujata manohar the only woman on the three judge bench who really understood the magnitude of the problem and decided not to leave it just as a rape verdict and create the guidelines to prevent such instances right absolutely absolutely so whether we look at uh, you know vishaka's incident whether we look at i mean not vishaka's incident bhavi devi's incident right. or, or if we look at uh, nirbhaya incident which was another crazy incident which shook the whole country you look at uh, you know we've heard about hatras we've heard about i don't know so many of them now we've heard about the you know the hyderabad one that happened i don't remember the name uh, but there is i mean the what the list is endless just a couple of months back there was another one in mumbai yeah yeah right so there have been so many brutal instances that one has to really sit for 2 minutes and think what is wrong and one has to think that okay there is a still a patriarchal system that we are dealing with yes we have a new india and an old india and the new india doesn't treat women as you know chattel and stuff like that mm. but there is an old india still that we are dealing with absolutely and the new india and old india do sometimes cross paths then what are you going to do in those instances right so people would still need that protection you can't tell people that no 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 if you are living in a village you please stay there only you can't come to mumbai that can't happen so these kind of challenges need to be looked at and as far as other genders are concerned i think we really really as a country need to do something about that as well because you know what's happening is that in our schools in our you know the younger generations we are teaching everyone that everyone is at an at an equal footing because we obviously also want to teach them how you can't treat women like you know they are second class third class yeah, citizens yeah uh as a result of which boys young boys or anybody of any gender is also getting to know that fine i am also the same as a woman or, or i am and basically there is no difference right so later on when they grow up and they see a law which is only for women obviously they're going to ask questions they won't understand this logic so there is going to be a time when we will need to make our laws either law, current laws gender neutral or we will have to make laws for everyone else as well correct uh, personally speaking i have come across quite a few complaints or other instances or stories if i may say of concerns which have been shared by my you know friends who have been men who may have told me about what kind of instances they had had to suffer and they did not open their mouth because they thought that nobody is going to hear them and they simply felt comfortable in speaking about it with me because a i was a friend and b i was working in a space where i understood the sensitivities and they knew that i'm not going to judge them so i think that is another challenge the lack of data lack of information about others sometimes also leads us to believe that only women are being harassed we don't even know 
about the others. And I think it's it becomes all the more challenging when it comes to harassment against men because to them, how would they characterize it? How would they understand that what had happened to them is in fact harassment? And even if they come to terms with it and decide to speak up about it, there's going to be a whole lot of ridiculing and humiliating comments on their masculinity, for instance, um, which is going to discourage them. Absolutely. And this is again, I mean, the society based gender roles that has been given to people. And often there are, you know, even statements like, Are when she was touching you, you should have been happy. You're so lucky that she touched you. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. so those kind of statements again. And yeah, you're right. You know, uh, are you like the, the mard or not? And have you lost your manliness? So those kind yeah, of statements, they don't, yeah. exactly. So they don't really help as well. And I think, Sometimes I feel like men are also equally victims of the roles that has been assigned to them. Um, you're right. And, 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 and I don't think we're doing enough legislatively to protect the physical and psychological well-being of people at work. And sometimes I feel like even when we take a step in a presumably right direction, there's always something that's not done just right. Or there, there are loopholes that go on to undermine the dignity of the very people we're trying to protect. And in fact, this is even reflected in the way the Transgender Persons Protection of Rights Act is worded because there is a Section 18 that addresses sexual abuse and emotional abuse in general in one category. Um, well, that is another debate for a whole another day. Uh, I just have a problem with the punishment because the punishment for any of the crimes under this act is just anything between six months to two years, which is a huge reduction in the sentence served when someone harasses a woman or for in general for crimes against women right this goes on to undermine their dignity as a whole in the society and it makes a statement about their self-worth and value in the society and it also goes on to alter how harassment against transgender persons are perceived as well because if the legislative intent is to merely protect these people no matter what why create this distinction at all Hmm. Uh, so Shweta again I think this one is again a very very complicated uh, space uh, not just from the practical perspective but also from the legal perspective because and, and I think I have been analyzing this law for a while now uh, because again we don't have a lot of data and this has really caught my attention to see what is it that we mm. are doing mm. um, so if we look at this law in isolation we will see that there is a punishment term which has been mentioned as you said yeah. um, and this is this appears like hardly anything right but this law is again in addition to other laws so it, it doesn't say that this law needs to be read in isolation for all crimes and offenses oh. so if you look at some of the other decisions for example there was this one case by the Delhi High Court mm -hmm. where a person a transgender person who identified or represented as a woman filed a complaint under the indian penal code which is the criminal law of our country right. saying that i have been sexually harassed and the sexual harassment provision is 354a under the mm -hmm. ipc this person filed that complaint and ultimately the court said that okay if this person identifies as a woman then all of the benefits of a woman or all of the provisions that are related to a woman must automatically apply to them. Beautiful. Yeah. Right. So there are a couple of challenges here. Mm -hmm. If a person identifies as a woman, they can raise a concern under Section 376, which is for rape, for sexual assault, for mm -hmm. sexual harassment, for anything and everything, any provision that applies to a woman. Mm -hmm. For someone, a transgender person who, uh, you know, represents as a man, but may have, say, intersex features in the sense of having a body of a woman, 
what what are they going to do we don't know okay okay right now right. right similarly what if they don't represent or identify either as a man or a woman hmm hmm what if they are queer what if what if they have not chosen a gender for themselves at all right what about that so those are the places where the complication comes up and those are the places where only transgender persons law may come into uh, action which provides for very small punishment which does not make sense and that is why it's also being debated and i think it has also been challenged in a couple of courts no absolutely because what is the need to make this differentiation based on your gender at all because the nature of the gravity of the crime does not change uh just because the victim is of a certain gender um and i think what the delhi high court really did here is find a loophole to say that hey you're a female identifying person and therefore you should definitely have a recourse under the ipc but i think this isn't enough and there's no need to classify this on the basis of gender at all absolutely but you know what um, shweta we also have to look at how old the ipc is it was made by english and we know that you know the entire situation with transgender persons became bad only when we got the english in i mean yeah. uh, in india right absolutely uh, you know so the situation wasn't like this mm-hmm. earlier and the laws in fact there was an entire law called um criminal tribes act if i remember correctly okay. which stated that if there is a transgender person on the road or if the if a person has dressed up in a different way which is not normal mm-hmm. quote and quote then they would be put in the jail automatically and that was a law we had for the longest time wow i had no idea so you can only imagine i mean yes so what are people going to do and people who were living their lives normally roaming around freely suddenly if an instance like this comes up police is going to beat you up and put you up put in jail obviously either you're going to hide your identity or you're going to become uh, you know a, a section of the society which is not known by anyone i hate this for us i hate this so that is that is where also the challenge lies so i think ipc provisions need to be amended quite a bit wow uh they do they they really do this is this is very challenging and it's it's such a shame that the fact that we allow colonial laws to dictate influence post colonial india is is such a shame because then we're simply not doing right by our people right and doing right by our people would entail going over these laws with a fine to comb and um thinking if at all they're appropriate for the current times and uh, to be fair i don't think they were ever appropriate uh and india was one of those countries that celebrated its rich and diverse gender and gender expressions and sexual orientations and um, also being mindful of this generalized statement that i'm making but it's just to state that a law that was that disruptive back in the time uh still continues to influence our perspectives and opinions and thoughts is it's just such a shame because we're so comfortable turning a blind eye to the everyday injustices that happen to our people today um because because of a certain mood or tone that it's set for social conduct is 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 so sad and it i think we should probably conclude this segment on this note but i'm also curious about just another thing shivangi because you you discussed earlier about how you worked with internal complaints committee and uh you sort of conduct workshops and help improve how they treat confidentiality and privacy for instance i was just wondering do you think we're at a point where people that decide the fate of complaints are moving towards a feminist and progressive thinking um or do you think they bring their uh, prejudices and regressive notions with them that color their judgment 
what's your take on this wow this is a tough one so uh, again i think i've seen a mix of both uh-huh. uh, in fact um, on one occasion somebody had called me and said that hi shivangi uh, you know we have received this false complaint and we have to look into it and i'm thinking once again once again rewind what have you received <laughs> so you know there is that that thing of that too we have got a false complaint only i'm telling yeah, you yeah. there is a background to it or sometimes in the middle of an inquiry you know somebody would say are but uh, she was dressed only like this this had to happen to yeah. her <laughs> or uh, you know would directly ask the complainant uh, itself that uh, are you mad why were you drinking and dancing with this person is wow. this what your parents have taught you wow. so and and that still happens unfortunately mm-hmm. uh, and that is the truth so the thing is that again as someone who is um, with them in the meeting i have often had to come in and course correct and kind of balance out the situation and uh, say that you know so i think what the ic members are trying to understand is that what happened when this party was happening can you take us through the entire incident yeah. so i had to kind of do that course correction and then have had to had a separate meeting with ic members that you know these are the things i observed please these are very very pointed and they are almost character assassinating questions mm-hmm. so please do not you know get into a line of questioning like this or i've had to speak to the employer that you know the ic members need to be changed or you know this is what has happened how do you want us to proceed now so i think those kind of actions uh, you know one has to take up um that's not the case with everyone but yes quite a few are still uh, you know in that space because again ic members are also a part of the same society that we live in right so whatever we have seen and whatever we are taught that's what we go ahead with right as far as our experience is concerned so there's a lot of this breaking down of instances that has to happen and training again that has to happen to really curb instances like these from coming up wow uh this this whole problem with character assassination i think is it's it's ubiquitous and it's so problematic and it adds to the trauma it's like you need to shake it out of them and be like excuse me can you just be a little fair can you just be a little neutral it's it's my life and my reputation and dignity that's at stake and uh can you be a little more progressive can you come to the current times and judge the situation in the context of the current culture and uh god it's so challenging it's just that the whole process of creating uh, a robust sexual harassment policy and seeing it through the point of implementation it takes a lot of learning and unlearning and it's not as easy as reading the black letter law and implementing it because it's it's a lot of social education and uh, yeah absolutely and in fact you know that's what i say sometimes that if you look at the sexual harassment law it's a bunch of some 30 odd sections small little minute little law but there is so much to it i think i have spent 5 full years almost working in this and i i seem to be learning every single day and every day feels like a new thing so this marks the end of part 2 of the three part conversation with shivangi prasad thank you so much for listening we hope we've given you enough things to ponder over if nothing please remember that just your attitude can make a hell of a lot of difference in helping a complain and deal with the trauma and the aftermath right it could be your brother your sister your best friend or your best colleague at work and they could just choose to remain silent because of the cultural stereotypes and the harmful jokes that go around and sometimes you could be the perpetrator of that joke and just remember that our interpersonal communications are always motivated by our political realities and they continue to influence our socio-political reality again right and 
by simply choosing to remain silent when your best friend makes that sexist comment or when your colleague enjoys bullying someone you're participating in this harmful culture so it matters when you stand up it matters when you call someone out if you can't take a stand try and educate someone and try to appeal to their opinion try to see them uh, try to make make them see why they're wrong and tell them that it could be someone else's political reality and it's probably not the best idea to make a punchline out of it right i'm going to leave you with this for today's episode please come back next week to listen to the final part of this three part conversation with shivangi prasad this has been extremely insightful and it's been such a learning experience so we hope you'll come back for more until next time be audacious and be kind bye bye If you like this episode and want to check out more of who we are or what we do, please don't forget to visit our website, which is www.theadastyproject.net. You can also support us by visiting and following our Instagram, which is at the.adastyproject. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.